area. So if you want to turn with me to Romans chapter 8, and while you're turning there, I'm just going to say a prayer. Father, I just look to you for the Holy Spirit, who is the teacher, to teach and to minister tonight. I yield myself to you. I yield my mind, my thoughts to you, and I ask you to just flow through that. And, and Lord, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would be poured out. Lord, that you would release to us whatever we have need of tonight, Lord. We're hungry for more of you. We, we want that bread of life, Lord, to be released into our hearts, our souls, and, and to change our, our, our bodies and, and, our, and our lifestyles and our actions and to help us to be more like you. And Lord, that's our desire tonight is just to be more like you, Lord, just to walk more like you, to, to live in your righteousness, to walk in your spirit, to experience your nature, Lord, to the fullest. Father, that's what we ask, and we thank you, Lord, that you have given that to us through the new birth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to read a bunch of scriptures, and um, that's just kind of the text that I just feel to work off of tonight. Romans chapter 8, we're going to look at verses 1 through 17. And it says, Therefore... There is now no condemnation. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified, so it's chuck full of good stuff, you know. So um, if you have that on your uh, app, you can uh, switch to that. Um, Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him as personal Lord and Savior. For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, that is, overcome sin and remove its penalty, its power, being weakened by the flesh, man's nature without the Holy Spirit, God did. He sent his own Son in the likeness of sinful man, as an offering for sin. And he condemned sin in the flesh, subdued it and overcame it in the person of his own son, so that the righteous and just requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not live our lives in the ways of the flesh, guided by worldliness and our sinful nature, But live our lives in the ways of the Spirit, guided by his power. For those who are living according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh, which gratify the body. But those who are living according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit, his will and purpose. Now the mind of the flesh is death both now and forever, because it pursues sin. But the mind of the Spirit is life and peace, the spiritual well-being that comes from walking with God, both now and forever. The mind of the flesh, with its sinful pursuits, is actively hostile to God. It does not submit itself to God's laws, since it cannot. And those who are in the flesh, living a life that caters to sinful appetites and impulses cannot please God. However, you are not living in the flesh, controlled by the sinful nature, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God lives in you, directing and guiding you. 
But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him and is not a child of God. If Christ lives in you, through your natural, though your natural body is dead because of sin, your spirit is alive because of righteousness, which he provides. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we have not an obligation but not to our flesh, our human nature, or worldliness, or sinful capacity to live according to the impulses of the flesh, our nature without the Holy Spirit. For if you are living according to the impulses of the flesh, you are going to die. But if you are living by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are habitually putting to death the sinful deeds of the body and you will really live forever. For all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading again to fear of God's judgment, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, the spirit producing sonship, by which we joyfully cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies and confirms together with our spirit, assuring us that we believers are the children of God. And if we are his children, then we are his heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his spiritual blessing and inheritance. If indeed we share in his suffering, so that we may also share in his glory. Praise God. That's a good chunk of scriptures right there. Amen. Right. There you go. <laughs> well, we got more. Wait, there's more. Um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Again, we're going to be talking about walking in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 26. <clears throat> For you, my brothers... We're called to freedom. Only do not let your freedom become an opportunity for the sinful nature, worldliness, selfishness. But through love, serve and seek the best for one another. For the whole law concerning human relationships is fulfilled in one precept. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is, you shall have an unselfish concern for others and do things for their benefit. But if you bite and devour one another in bickering and strife, watch out that you, along with your entire fellowship, are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit, seek him, and be responsive to his guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desires of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. For the sinful nature has its desires, which is opposed to the spirit, and the desire of the spirit opposes the sinful nature. For these two, the sinful nature and the spirit, are in direct opposition to each other 
continually in conflict so that you as a believer do not always do whatever good things you want to do. But if you are guided and led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the practices of the sinful nature are clearly evident. They are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, total irresponsibility, lack of self-control, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions that promote heresies, envy, drunkenness, riotous behavior, and other things like these. So I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of his presence within us, is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while we're waiting. I like that one. (laughs) Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature together with its passions and appetites. And if we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we also must walk by the Spirit with personal integrity, godly character, moral courage, our conduct empowered by the Holy Spirit. We must not become conceited challenging or provoking or envying one another. All right. That's a lot of word right there. So the key, the the main key in walking in the Spirit is what has the greatest influence in your life? What is influencing you the most? What is influencing you at certain times? Because that will determine whether you're walking in the spirit or whether you're walking in the flesh. Now, in Romans 8, verse 1, it states, therefore. It starts out with therefore. And I like what Kenneth Hagin said. He says, whenever you see a therefore, you've got to look to see what it's there for. <laughs> and so when you go back into Romans 7, see, when they wrote the book of Romans, there wasn't chapter and verse. That was inserted later on to help us give reference, to be able to look things up. So really, Romans 6, Romans 7, Romans 8, it just all flows together as one continuous content, subject, message. And so in Romans chapter 7, Paul is talking about his life as a religious man who is trying to live right under the law. And he was in a dilemma because he knew the law was good, he knew the law was holy, he knew the law was just, he had a desire to live by the law, but he failed to do so. He always fell short, and he was in this dilemma. How do I live a righteous life under the law? But he concludes in Romans chapter 7, verse 24 and 25, he says, Oh, wretched and miserable man that I am, who will rescue me and set me free from this body of death, this corrupt mortal existence? Thanks be to God for my deliverance through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind serve the law of God. In other words, he has a desire in his conscience to do the right things. But on the other hand, 
with my flesh, my human nature, my worldliness, my sinful capacity, I serve the law of sin. Now, some people, again, they've stopped right there and go, well, I guess that means, you know, I can serve God with my mind, but I can live like the devil and it's okay. But, again, it's a continuation. Romans 8 comes in there and corrects all of that. It sheds the light upon what we do now in Christ. And so the first key that he brings to us is that there is no condemnation. Condemnation is a very powerful force because it's something that is oppressive. It's a, it's a, the word condemnation means a judgment or a sentence or a verdict. So if somebody were to say to you something like, you're never going to amount to anything, that's a condemnation. And people have been saying condemnations over and over and over. And they're speaking those things a lot of times out of the condemnation that they live in. That condemnation is in them, and so it comes out of them. And it's a bondage. And so the, one of the key things, the, the first key thing in order to walk in the Spirit is you got to believe in the position or the place that God has put you as a new creature in Christ Jesus. And you can't let the past have an influence over your life. Because a lot of times people are trying to move forward, but they're still conscious of their past. They're conscious of things that affected them, things, curses in their family. And so that's, that hangs over their head as a weight. In Galatians chapter 3, he talks about the curses, that Jesus became a curse for us so that the curses that were against us would be canceled. So any curse that was spoken over you, any curse that was pronounced over you, any curse or hindrance or judgment that was, that was pronounced over to you, over your life, Jesus took that and he nailed it to the cross. And you don't have to be subject to that. You're not underneath that condemnation. You know, Elvis Presley, he died at 50 years old, but he's... I think his father died at 50, and, and, or his mother died at 50, and he said, when I'm 50, I'm going to die. That was a curse. That was a curse that was spoken over him, that he reiterated with his own mouth, and sure enough, turned 50 and he died. And so a lot of times these curses are out there, and they create condemnations. And the enemy knows that. He understands how those things work because he's, he's the prince of the power of the air. So he's aware of what's going and floating and being spoken and so forth. And those spirits, have, they've been around a while, so they've heard a lot of things and they're familiar. But all of that junk, Jesus took that ordinance and he nailed it to the cross. So whatever you've done in your past, it doesn't have to affect your future. And then take it now to where you're at. 
Okay, I know that all my past, but what about now? What about the mistakes that I make now? What about the doors that I open up? What about the places that I give to the devil now? What about the attitudes? What about the thoughts? What about those things that are, that are things of errors, mistakes, failures, faults, whatever it is, hurts, that are still trying to come against me, still trying to hit me, still trying to pull my soul? You see, some of these things become undercurrents in the soul. And it's hard, for, it's hard for a person to, say, walk in love and, and express love if they're dealing with a lot of rejection. If they've been hurt by somebody. And now there's this feeling inside that somebody that loves them hurts them. So now they're going to hold in and they're not going to be able to express love because that is a, a judgment, a condemnation that is over them. And it's holding them back from being able to move forward. And so God wants to use them in an area, but they can't step in that direction because that barrier, that hindrance is holding over them. Well, we just have to know there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And, and, and the way the Lord set this up is that, well, turn with me to uh, 1, John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. And it says, but if we are living in the light... As God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So as we're coming together, as we're having fellowship, I'm not perfect. I'm still growing. Got a lot of work, a lot of work ahead of me. <laughs> work in progress, as they say. But we all have things that we're dealing on, we're working on, we're trying to grow and develop in. But this coming together, this fellowship that we're in, there's the blood of Jesus covering us. And it's cleansing us. And it's washing over us. That's why God says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves, especially as you see the day approaching, because you need that covering. You need that anointing of fellowship and the blood of Jesus to work. There's things that, are, you know, we're praying for one another. We're speaking things into one another's lives. We're, we're serving. We're helping. And all of that is creating strength for each one of us to grow more, to get stronger. My spiritual growth is dependent upon how your walk with the Lord is and how your walk with the Lord is and your walk with the Lord is. Because the more that you're building yourself up, the more that you're getting stronger, it's like a human body. As each part is being strengthened, each part is growing stronger and stronger, it edifies the whole. And so as we edify, and it, it, actually in Ephesians chapter 3, for verse 20, he talks about that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask, imagine, or think. But it doesn't stop there. It says, according to the power that worketh in us. So all of us, working together, seeking God, walking in the Spirit, has a direct impact upon each other. And so there's a, he set it up that way, and the blood of Jesus is working. And then he goes on to say, that if, we've, that if we sin and we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. You know, in the Old Testament, they had atonement. 
Atonement meant to cover over. So if you're, you know, if you're in, in the kitchen and you've got crumbs on the floor, the kids just ate and they just made a huge mess, and you take your broom out and you got a little mat, you know, a lot of times right in front of the sink you got that little mat that you stand on, and you sweep all those crumbs and you lift the mat up and you slide them underneath there. You put the mat down, or the mat down. You've atoned, right, out of sight, out of mind. That's how sometimes kids clean their room, right? They just throw, they put all the toys in the, in the center and they throw a blanket over it and they go, oh, it's clean. Well, that was atonement. It didn't remove the dirt. It just covered it up. So that's what they were doing in the Old Testament. They were just trying to cover it up, but they never really got to the heart of the matter. But in the New Testament, he talks about remission. You know, if you were, if you were out working in the yard all day and you had a, an activity in the evening and you were sweating hard, it was one of those 85 hot, humid days and you're out there just working, sweating, and you go, oh, you know what, I'm not going to take a shower. I'm just going to pull out my cologne, my perfume, just spray it on, <laughs> dump it on. Be anoint, anoint yourself, right? Well, you know, you walk around and people, oh, you smell good today. But do you really feel clean? You still got that sticky, grimy feeling of that dried sweat stuck on your back, right? <laughs> so deep down, you don't really have the confidence. You go day by day by day and you just keep pouring it on. You just feel grimy. But when you take that shower, oh, man, you just feel so good. You come out of there, you just feel like a new person. Like, man, I just, I want to, I want to go hang out with, with friends now. I want to do something. I just feel so clean. And see, that's, that's the power of the cleansing blood of Jesus. That's the power of that no condemnation. It frees us so that we can move forward in the spirit. See, God is more concerned about you moving forward, finding strength, tapping into the nature, his divine nature that he put in you. He's more concerned about that than beating you over the head for any mistakes you made. You know, he, he, he doesn't want you to get stuck in a rut. Keep moving forward. We all make mistakes. We go, man, I know I shouldn't have done that. I know I, I got more, more in me than what... What, what, what I just did. And you can really get yourself in a rut. Feel like, man, I'm just not good enough. Never going to get to that point. But God says, no. I've taken care of that condemnation. I've taken care of that. There is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So powerful. He took all of, all of that was against us. When you go to the end of Romans chapter 8, Paul kind of concludes, and he says, who shall be against us? You know, shall it be Christ who died for us? Shall it be, what can be against us? Who can, who can lay charge against us? No one. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. No height, no, no, no angels, no demons, no situation, no circumstances, nothing because God has freely given to us 
And if he freely gives to us, we can freely receive. See, that's the beauty of no condemnation. Freely, easy to receive. Right. You know, sometimes when you, you probably have noticed that when you're praying for people who are not Christians, they don't have a, a, a history with God in the sense. So, you know, all of a sudden you share the gospel, you pray for them, and they, there's no time to reason and doubt and think about all this. God just steps in there, boom. But sometimes as Christians, you go, well, you know, maybe I was me. Maybe I didn't take care of myself the right way. Maybe I didn't pray enough. Maybe I wasn't fasting enough. Maybe I wasn't doing what God wanted me to do. And now this is something I got to, this is kind of my little punishment I got to work through, whatever. Or maybe I got to do more things in order to actually be able to qualify myself to get that healing. And so there's a receiving blockage because of that. You know, he talked about that in Mark 11. If you believe that you receive, you shall have it. And the devil knows that. So he tries to interfere with your receiver. And if he can get something going, some type of static, you're not going to pick up on what God's trying to give you, what God's trying to bless you with. And a lot of times that guilt, that condemnation, trying to earn that right standing with God. But right now, you are in perfect right standing with God. You're justified, just as if I'd never sinned. It just blows my mind away. Like, how can God take me with all my faults and shortcomings and, and put that on me? Like, like, I've made you righteous. It blows my mind away. But see, Jesus took all the sin. He became the sin. He became the sin. He took that sin, he became that sin, and he took it to the cross. And he didn't just take half of it. He took all of it. So we could all be free. So that we would not have any condemnation. That he could have fellowship with us. See, he, he had to do that, because otherwise if he didn't do that, he couldn't have fellowship with us. But he did it so he could break down that wall. And that's why when Jesus said it is finished on the cross, the very first, you know, first the earth shook and there was an earthquake, but then in the temple there was a curtain, and a curtain was probably about yay thick, and it separated the Holy of Holies, and only the high priest could go in there, only at certain times, only on certain conditions. Otherwise, if anybody else went in there, you were dead. They tie a rope around the priest when he goes in there. If he didn't have things right, and the bells on his, on his, on his robe started, you know, all of a sudden going crazy, they knew, pull him out, pull him out. <laughs> well, the very first thing God did when he said, it is finished, he ripped that curtain right down the middle. I can imagine the priests that were in there working, you know, all of a sudden they just saw that thing. Shoo! Oh, I'm looking at the Holy of Holies, and I'm not dying. What's going on? You know, blowing their mind away. <laughs> but see, that's that, that release of any condemnation. That's that openness. I've accepted you into the beloved. Praise God. So that's the thing about the first key of walking in the Spirit is to know that if God be for you, who can be against you? 
that no matter how many times, Peter said, Lord, how many times should I forgive him? Seven? Seven times seven? And the Lord said, no, 70 times seven. That's a high standard, 490 times. If you did something against me 490 times in one day, and every time you did something wrong, you came back to me and said, I'm sorry, please forgive me, I would be obligated to forgive you. But don't take advantage of that. <laughs> yeah, 491, it's done. That's it. <laughs> so you better keep a good count, because I'll, I'll keep a good count. No, just kidding. But that's how big his heart is. When that woman that was caught in adultery, I mean, legally she should have been stoned. This was it. Jesus, you know, he wrote in the sand. He said, let him without sin cast the first stone. One by one they were convicted. One by one they walked away. The woman was like just waiting for that first rock to hit her. She knew she was doomed. She knew she was going to die. She's all hurled down in the ground, maybe in a fetal position, just waiting. And then all of a sudden she looks up and there's just Jesus. She looks at Jesus, and he says, where are your accusers? They're gone. I don't condemn you. You know, the devil's an accuser of the brethren, and he will try to mess with your mind. He'll try to accuse you. But don't let that in, because that'll hinder you in your walk in the Spirit. You know, if, you're, if God shows you something, he, if, if a situation comes and all of a sudden you feel like you're under God's magnifying glass and he's dealing with you in an area, you know what? That's an opportunity to just get rid of something that hinders you and to get more closer to him and experience the cleansing blood of Jesus in a greater way. And so just run to him. Just run to him. That's the first key. Praise God. No condemnation. The second key is our old man. That old man, that flesh nature, has been crucified with Christ. He judged the old man. He cursed it. He rendered it powerless. So when he went to the cross, he was in a fleshly body. And, you know, when we talk about the old man, you know, we're not talking necessarily about the outward skin, but it's the old nature. It's the nature that we lived in. It's that nature without Christ. It's that nature without God. And he took that nature that we inherited from Adam, that he inherited from Satan, he took that nature and he condemned it. He buried it. And so it does not have the authority that it used to have. Now, where people get confused with this is that they think it's completely gone and they never have to experience it anymore. No, you still are going to feel it. It's still going to be there. As we read in Galatians, we're at war with this thing all the time. The flesh is against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. But the key that we need to know and, and, and have in our hearts and be con strongly convicted in is that it has been crucified. We have authority over it. We are the greater ones. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. You know, it's sad when we look at our legal system. We have laws. 
We have judicial powers. We have law enforcement. And all of this should take care of so many problems. But it doesn't. But yet, the system is in place. If things were done the right way, done the right, you know, that guy that had, with the parade, the guy that took that car and crashed into those people, if the justice system was doing its job, that man would have never been free. He never would have been able to get in that car. That would have never happened. Because everything was in place legally to stop it. But somebody dropped the ball. Somebody didn't enforce what they should have enforced. And that's the same thing with our flesh. God took care of it. He buried it. It's crucified with Christ. It doesn't have the authority that it says it has. Even though it rears up, it has feelings, it, it kind of gets you right at that time when you're least expected, sometimes when you're tired, uh, sometimes when something happens and you get a little moody, all of a sudden there comes that flesh. But at that moment, you just say, well, you're crucified. You're dead. You're right. You're buried. You're dead. You're not having any authority over me. I've got a new nature. That's number three. That's the beautiful thing about this in Romans 8. Key number three is that we have a new nature. There's a new nature inside of us. When he came into us, he put inside of us the nature of Christ. That everything that Jesus is, is in us. He lives in us. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And the Bible goes on to say that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. So there's a new nature that lives on the inside of this. In Romans uh, 8, he talks about this, and he brings it up in a couple of passages. Um, he says, For the law of the Spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was, in that overcome sin and remove its penalty, its power, being weakened by the flesh, man's nature without the Holy Spirit, God did. He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful man as an offering. He condemned sin in the flesh subdued it, overcame it in the person of his own son, so that the righteous and just requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not live our lives in the ways of the flesh, guided by worldliness or sinful nature, but live our lives in the ways of the Spirit, guided by his power. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So the powerful thing about what God has done is he did not cancel out the righteousness. As a matter of fact, the righteousness, the bar of righteousness actually got raised higher. Because in the Old Testament it said, thou shalt not kill. But in the New Testament he says, if you have hatred towards your brother, that's like killing. In the Old Testament, it said you shouldn't commit adultery. 
But in the New Testament, if you look on a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. So that tells me the bar of righteousness has been raised higher. But we're not under a law. And this is where sometimes Christians can stumble in their Christianity because the law can be whatever you know in your conscience is right. And if you're trying to obey that through, okay, I want to do what's right. I want to live the right way. I want to make sure I'm, I'm pleasing God and I'm, I'm doing the right things. And so I want to do this. But I'm doing it because this is the law. At least it's the law to me. It's the standard of moral righteousness that I want to live by. So I'm trying to do this. I want to do it. I remember as a, as a young Christian being born again, I wanted to get out of certain sins in my life, and I just couldn't. I remember, I remember praying to God and rehashing these sins and rehashing it, and God, what can I do to get out? You know, yada, yada, and, and I'd fall asleep. I think God just said, you know, enough. I'm just going to put him to sleep. I don't want to hear any more of this. It's not helping anyone. But when I realized who he was in me, then I tapped into the new nature. I tapped into an ability. I went from doing something that I was been praying about for months, trying to stop, making a connection with God in faith, and the next day being set free from it because I tapped into the nature. And even though I was underneath the law myself, in God's eyes, I wasn't under a law. I was under grace, and I was under the new nature. If I was under the law in God's eyes, I wouldn't have a chance. But God, because he gave me a new nature, his his goal was to get me to see, get me to tap into the new nature. So when you're struggling with something in your life where you keep missing it, you keep making mistakes, you can look at the scriptures and the scriptures that talk about what is righteous, and you go, "Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this tomorrow. I'm going to do it. This is my New Year's resolution. I'm going to, from now on." And and all of a sudden, you can go that route, or you can start looking at the nature of Christ in you. So if you have a hard time with your mouth, saying mean things to people, well, you can write all kinds of scriptures about saying nice things to people, and you can make that as your law, but look at scriptures that talk about the love of God in you, that you have this love in you from God, that it was shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost. And that love is, is inside of you. It's, it's part of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And that love is, is a nature that God's given to you. And you can change this because love lives on the inside of you. See, now you begin to tap into the nature. And that's what God wants us to do. When we're struggling, look at what, what nature does God have, God has given to you to help you overcome that. And then focus in on that. And then begin to activate your faith in that. Connect your faith with that. 
I don't have to do this anymore because I have something else working and moving and living on the inside of me that gives me the ability to overcome that. <coughs> because I have that new nature. So that's why he says, you're not under the law anymore in God's eyes. You're not under the law. You're in a new nature. And he just tries to develop that in us, through us, to where we start producing fruits of that nature. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you so much. I'm going to continue this on um, next Wednesday because there's more keys. As you know, there's a lot left on the table there. Uh, so I'm going to talk some more about it next Wednesday. But I just want to pray right now. Father, we thank you so much for living inside of us. Jesus, we thank you that we have a new nature in you. We thank you, Lord, that the old man has been crucified with Christ. We thank you, Lord, that it's rendered powerless, that it does not have the authority, that we have the authority over it, that we are the enforcer and it has to submit, that it has to obey the will of the Spirit. So, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, for the place that you have put us in, with no condemnation. There's no condemnation over our lives. You've delivered us from that. You've taken the curse. You've taken the curse. You've taken the curse. No curses have legal right to affect our walk in the Lord. We are free from the curses of the enemy. We are free from the curses of the law. We are free from the curses of the flesh. We're free from that. Just say this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that Jesus became a curse and took my curses and nailed them to the cross. Every ordinance that was contrary and against me, every curse that has been spoken towards me, you took it. And so I declare, tonight, any curse spoken against me, against my life, is now null and void. And I cancel it in the name of Jesus with the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, that right now I'm in complete right standing with you. And I can freely, freely receive Blessings, healing, strength, direction, spiritual gifts, impartations. I receive it all freely 
with no condemnation, no reservation, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you right now that you're working upon each one of us. Thank you, Lord, that we are not under condemnation. Thank you, Lord, that you have, you have delivered us out of that. Thank you, Lord, for freedom, that we have liberty in Christ, and we stand fast right now in that liberty that you've given to us. Lord, that we have liberty to experience your presence. That when we pray, that your presence is there. That we can commune with you. That we can have fellowship with you. And we can hear your voice. And we can sense your presence. And you can release things and speak things and manifest things to us. Lord, we thank you for that. And we thank you, Lord, that you lead us and guide us into all the truth. And you show us things to come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. 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 Hallelujah. I just sense like a barrier is being broken. Like there's just a barrier, this barrier, like you were hitting this wall and you, 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 you have a desire to move forward in an area, but you just seem to hit a wall and the wall just knocks you back, discourages you, um, just hits you with some unbelief that you can't just go to the next level, the next, the next plateau. That barrier right now is being broken in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for that right now. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, we praise you, Jesus. Any curse that's spoken against this church, against this ministry, against the people of this church, we take authority over it right now, and we say that that curse was nailed to the cross, and it has no legal right, and it has no legal power to affect or hinder the blessing of God upon this place, upon this ministry, and upon these people. In the name of Jesus. We thank you for that. And we release that to Passion Church in Hayward. We release that to them right now. You are free from any curses. Anything that was spoken negatively against you. You're free from that right now. Jesus took that curse and he broke it right now. And you are free to operate in the realm of the spirit. In the name of Jesus. We speak to our brother in Pakistan right now, Asaph. We just speak to you right now. and We speak that you are free from any curses, any negative things that have been spoken or, or seeds that have been planted that are negative, that are trying to hinder any growth, any, any movement, evangelism, any blessing for you and your ministry and the people you're ministering to. We just speak right now that those curses are broken. Those barriers are broken. And increase, 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 and we loose angels of God to be with you. We loose the heavenly host to be with you, protect you, to guard over you, to watch over you every step of the way. And that you will always be a step ahead of the enemy as you're doing the work of the Lord. In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Does anybody have anything that's stirring in them, a, a word that they'd like to share? Um, just, if there's something that's been stirring and you want to, you feel like the Lord's put something on your heart and you want to share it, uh, feel free to, to share that. If not, I'm not putting any pressure on you. I just want to be open to the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Brother Chris, why don't you stand up for, both of you stand up for a minute. Mike, if you want to go behind them here, come on out for a second. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just feel like the Lord just wants me to say this. Uh, the Lord is watching you. He sees you're faithful. Faithful in reaching out. Faithful to get out of your comfort zone. Put yourself out there. And he's blessing you working through you, using you to touch lives. But that will now increase in a greater measure. In a greater measure. A greater manifestation. A greater measure, a greater release of signs, wonders, Supernatural gifts, impartations, things that will exceed, exceed your own expectations and understanding above and beyond all that we can imagine or ask or think. And I will put a cry in your heart for the people. I want you to touch. And you cry that cry to me. And as you cry that cry to me, then I will fill you with whatever they need. And you will give that to them. And they will be imparted and touched by me, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. God confirms. Amen. Praise God. Well, now that Mike sat down, we're going to go ahead and take the offering. 